And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 175 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, we have 175 at-bats for Mauricio Dubon last year. Over or under for 2022 at-bats, does he get more at-bats or fewer this season? Wow, that's a that's a good one. Well, uh, given the roster moves that have already been made to this to this date, I, I kind of think he's going to make the team, and I kind of think I would take the over. Yeah, I think I would too. I mean, it's like right there. That's like the perfect, you know, is he going to get more at-bats or fewer at-bats than he did last year? But I think with at least for a month, he'll have a 28-man roster. Uh, he's going to fit. They don't want to lose him if they don't have to. So I think I'll go over. But that kind of sets up what we're doing here today. Today, I think, is going to be the roster discussion uh, podcast. We're going to we're going to just rosterize this this thing and uh, talk rosters. You OK with that? Yeah. I mean, it's I think, uh, you know, it wasn't a very long spring training, obviously, which some people were actually kind of quietly, you know, this this is how long it really should be. Don't can, can we do this permanently? Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that we can definitely sort of summarize what we saw in spring training. And, and we know that this is not a coaching staff or front office that is going to give outsized importance to, you know, someone who Brian Dallimore is their way through the Cactus League. And that is officially <laughs> a phrase. Um, but, you know, you do learn things and, and you learn some important things about uh, takeaways from who might be ready to contribute at some point, if not on opening day, then later in the season, because we know the Giants will use many, many more than 28 players. So I am ready to dive into this. All right. So there's 34 players still in camp. Two of them are non-roster. Um, we have uh, just all sorts of questions, but not as many questions as I would. Re- I, I remember there always being more questions for an opening day roster. This one seems pretty straightforward. So you are our eyes and ears on the ground. What are you seeing? Is there going to be a surprise on this roster? Is there, are we like underrating, I don't know, Sammy Long? Are we underrating, uh, you know, Carlos Martinez? I don't even think he's pitched in a game yet. Are we underrating his chances to magically just show up and, and start thriving? What are you seeing that might surprise us or might not surprise us? Yeah, so I, I talked to Carlos Martinez the other day and, um, you know, I asked him, hey, what's what's your uh, kind of outlook? What, where are you going to be on opening day? And, and yeah, he was sitting down at his locker, and he said, "Well, I'm feeling kind of, you know, tight in here." And he, he took both his like hands and put them around like his stomach and like his sides. And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> that's interesting." <laughs> so I think basically what what they're doing is they're working with him on his conditioning, pretty much, and uh, they're working with him on, you know, getting his body into a position where he can uh, start you know, executing some 
some reworked mechanics. And that's going to be an ongoing process. And so he's probably going to stay at Papago. Uh, unless they've got like some weird thing that they've been working on with him in secret. Um, you know, he's one of the NRIs that has left, as you mentioned, along with Brett Auerbach. Um, but uh, neither of them are going to make the team. Uh, Brett Auerbach is, is still around uh, before you start having all these crazy ideas about, um, oh, they, he's, he plays every position. He could They could then have Joey Bart DH when Kurt Casale uh, plays catcher or vice versa, which is great because they're kind of light one right-handed bat. He's here because this is a weird year. The AAA season is going to start before the Major League camp has broken. So they need Ricardo Henevis and uh, his cast of backup catchers to start the season at AAA, and they need somebody to catch the back end of these last two exhibition games. So that's why Brett Auerbach is still here. So um, we can pretty much rule out the two NRIs, and then we're down to pretty much like 32 spots for, um, what, 32 people for 28 spots. We know Lamont Wade Jr. is going to open on the injured list. We know Evan Longoria is going to open on the injured list. So now you're down to 30 for uh, 28 spots. We know Tommy Lestella is a little touch and go. You mentioned um, uh, you mentioned Sammy Long. Uh, he, he is certainly, I think he or Tyler Beatty is probably the last guy on the bubble. Um, we know they've already um, optioned Jacob Junis uh, and Kervin Castro. So, yeah, it's it, we're getting pretty much down to knowing what the team is. Yeah, I will say that I saw your tweet about Brett Auerbach, and I was for a second on the Galaxy Brain train with you and going, oh, heck yeah, like I am all in on the Auerbach train. But yet he's, you know, that is because of the, the weird AAA season. It just seems like there's nothing really going on with this roster that's going to surprise us. We have about 30 players for 28 spots, and some of those players are pitchers with options. And here's what I'm thinking the bubble is, is where you've got Tyler Beatty's going to make it because he's out of options. Brebia um, having options. I believe Zach Littell has an option. Um, Sammy Long has options. I think there's going to be some sort of roster skirmish there. And then with the infielders and outfielders, uh, Luke Williams has plenty of options. That's why they got him. I think he's kind of on the bubble right there is is that the fringe of the roster that i'm listing or am i missing someone else yeah i think you've got your jason vosler and luke williams there and then you've got uh as you mentioned i think it's probably sammy long or you know john brebbia i i don't know if he's considered on the bubble he's had a really nice spring he's mm. the only guy who's has a 100 first strike pitch efficiency he's thrown a first pitch strike to every batter he's faced um i saw him the other day and he was hanging out in the uh little little room uh, in their complex um which has a placard on the wall that says nerds so <laughs> that, that is where um their major league analytics uh crew that the 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 individuals that actually travel with the team full-time that's where they hang out and he was kind of lingering in the doorway and he was getting some information from them and the only thing i heard as i was passing by was hey wow i guess i'm a velo guy now so um <laughs> cl- clearly and i don't i don't recall seeing what his uh what his, um, you know, uh, radar gun readings were this spring, but I, I just know he, the, the stuff is moving great. And he just seems like he's really confident. You know, last year was his kind of, let's get back on the mound and get the feel again after Tommy John surgery. And this guy was a really good, you know, back end reliever for the Cardinals not long ago. So, uh, we might not be talking about John Brebbia enough. And I think, uh, I, I would be surprised at this point if he's not on the team. Now, before we talk about John Brebbia, the pitcher, just let me ask, because now the clubhouses are open, you get a little bit more face to face time with uh, these players. Have 
you gotten a chance to talk with John Brebbia at all? Because he is a goofy human being and that's like a delightfully goofy human being at like in the best possible way. Uh, Search up his YouTube videos. Uh, He's a he's a funny he's a funny cat. So have you gotten a chance to pick his brain or kind of get into that nerdery? He is delightfully mirthful. Yes. And I I (laughs) probably make a point of stopping him every time I see him in the clubhouse because I enjoy talking to him so much and he's very friendly and uh, and has a very, very sort of goofy self deprecating sense of humor. So I think the more Giants fans get to know him, the more uh, the more they're going to like him. He's he's kind of like he's kind of like a little bit of a toned down Hunter Pence, you know, somebody mm. who isn't afraid to to kind of laugh at himself a little bit, um, just has a really good outlook on stuff. Uh, but also doesn't look like he's he's had you know eight cups of coffee. So um, yeah, maybe Hunter Pence with the volume cranked down a little bit. But he is a coffee guy. Like he is a guy who can give you tasting notes and you know essence of persimmon and whatever you guys you coffee dorks like to talk about. So have you talked to him about coffee? Uh, I have. Yeah, and uh, he did do uh, I think a, a, like a coffee tasting. Uh, show when he was with the Cardinals. I, I'm not sure if it had more than one episode, uh, but uh, but it was it was quite amusing. And uh, I think he really played into, you know, the, the talk show host kind of thing. It, like he, he was he was turning on his inner like Dick Cavett or something. So uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants try to revive something like that with him because uh, I think he's good at it. All right. Now let's talk about his pitching, because like you said, he has a history before the Giants. So with the Giants, he appeared in 18 games. His ERA was five point eight nine. He was one of the only pitchers in the entire roster throughout the year who had a worse than league average uh, run prevention track record. But before that, before his Tommy John surgery, 2017, 2018, 2019, he was good, like really good, like uh, strong strikeout to walk ratios, striking out well over a batter an inning. Uh, he would keep the ball in the park. And this is why the Giants signed him. And maybe they thought he was going to be ready a little bit later in 2021, but he was ready fairly early for a Tommy John recovery. He didn't pitch that poorly. If you look at the peripherals, like he still struck out way more than a batter in inning. He still kept the ball. Uh, well, not so much in the park. Okay. But he did keep the, the free base runners off. But like you said, that's the Tommy John season, the post Tommy John season. Now it's like, okay, I've got a full spring or not a full spring, but I've got a full head of steam, a full uh, off season of conditioning and, and working on my craft. I, I am kind of uh, bullish on him. I think he's got a spot, maybe not just at the back end, but to kind of creep up like Dominic Leone did last year. Yeah, and, you know, it doesn't always work out. You know, we, we, we know that it, even for the Giants last year, when their bullpen ERA was the best in the major leagues, and uh, even though it didn't look like it in the first month of the season, uh, it turned into just a very, very consistent group. I mean, first group in major league history to have, and I know we... we we cite this stat a lot, but it just, I think it encapsulates the value that the bullpen provided. Six guys uh, threw f- at least 50 innings and finished the year with a sub three ERA. And no team's ever done that before. And, and I'll tell you what, this is this is kind of funny. Uh, I told that stat to, to Dom Leone and he said, well, what about um, the Mariners uh, in 20, I believe he said it was 2017. I have to go back and look. Uh, and I looked up that Mariners bullpen and they had five guys who met the criteria and they had Joe Bimel, who had a sub three three ERA and forty five innings, so he missed it by five innings. And who is the common link between those two bullpens? Dom Leone. So he's quite uh, proud of that. 
Oh, well, that, yeah, that's good knowledge that you can go in and be your own personal baseball reference and go back and say, wait a second, what about this team? So yeah. that is impressive, but I don't remember there being a bullpen with fewer balls in the air, so to speak. Like I, it seems like the bullpen, just by nature of it being, uh, you know, what, eight pitchers a year, there's always going to be like these two or three battles. And even this year with the expanded rosters in April, like I'm just not looking at any confusion in this bullpen. And I'm wondering... Even in the the years of the core four, is this the most settled that a bullpen has been as far as personnel? I guess jobs can change with Jake McGee and Camilla Duvall. Like, you know, you might get some some different ninth inning looks. But as far as the personnel, there are no surprises here, really. Yeah, core seven doesn't quite have the same ring to it. But uh, <laughs> and, and I think you hit on something there with home run suppression. That was just such I don't think we can overstate the importance of home run suppression to the Giants success last season. And, you know, they're doubling down on that. You know, Logan Webb's a sinker ball guy. Alex Cobb's a sinker ball guy who had one of the best home run fly ball rates in the majors last year. And uh, and, and, you know, it is going to be a little interesting uh, reading Eno Saris has reported on the humidor in every ballpark now. And in yeah. some cases, like San Francisco, that could make the, the ball a little less soupy and it could make the ball travel a little more, which we already know it seems to be flying a bit more um, at Oracle Park and especially right-handed hitters to the opposite field, which we'd never seen home runs go out that way before. So that'll be kind of interesting to see if the Giants can maintain their success with home run suppression. But, you know, looking at this group, I think there's a reason we have this sort of bias or thought in the industry that relievers are fungible. That's like the like curse word that you apply to relievers. They're fungible. So you got to keep getting them. And and I'm sure that it's just law of averages that it, it, I'm not going to name any names or, or put any sort of curse on anyone. But, you know, one or two of these relievers who had great years last year is probably not going to be as good this year. And so the fact that you can turn to a Brebia or, you know, uh, or, or somebody like that to kind of sidle into a role when somebody else maybe takes a step back because I mean we even saw it last year Matt Whistler didn't work out so there could be one of these guys that you're thinking is going to be great could turn into this year's Matt Whistler and is off the roster in two months but that's why you have a lot of depth so you can uh, you know just keep going to the hot hand because you've got another hand nearby who happens to be hot yeah I mean Matt Whistler it seems like just such a great idea and of all the relievers we have talked about um, he is the one who actually uh, uh, had a chance to pitch in the World Series so he did really well for the Rays but yeah it's fungible it is a dirty word I think part of the reason that it comes up so often is it's just such a great word like it just it sounds great it feels good to say like fungible it's like it's got fun right (laughs) at the beginning it's got that G But, (laughs) but it's like I you know the one one surprise, or not surprise, but I wasn't expecting Kervin Castro to be on the opening day roster because he has options. I think they want to stretch him out to start. But I want to say he's kind of like the wild card of the bullpen where I could see him, you know, not being on the roster at all this year because he's being stretched out to start. But I could also see him by like May or June being a really, really high leverage reliever because he's just so talented and has the arm strength and all that. What do you think about curving Castro as a part of this bullpen in the present and future? Yeah, I think that he could be in a swingman role, like you said. Uh, they, you know, you see it all around baseball. The Padres just traded for Sean Manaya. Uh, the, uh, the the Dodgers are are signing, you know, uh, guys um, like Danny Duffy. The, the Giants are signing the Matthew Boyds. You, know, you can never have, you can never stockpile enough starting pitching options. And so I think, you know, Kervin Castro's 
value is that he could come up and be a strike thrower when they need uh, a couple of innings, but he also could be someone who is a next line of defense uh, in the rotation, uh, along with Jacob Junis. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it remains to be seen if Tyler Beatty can turn himself into that kind of option. I think right now uh, they just want to maybe try to carry him on the roster and, and, and keep him in the organization because he's still throwing 98. Uh, but, uh, mm. but yeah, it, I, Castro, I think, is a valuable piece because you know that he can compete against big league hitters right now, and you know that he can compete in multiple roles, and he's maintained his stuff pretty well when they've put him out there for you know more than an inning or two. So um, I, I think he, he could be someone who plays a big role on this team. And and uh, and you know what else is is spending a little time at minor league camp uh, for about you know a week to ten days before the CBA got ratified or or, or agreed to. Um, a lot of really interesting arms in the minor leagues. Guys like Chris Wright, guys like R.J. Dabovich, um, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Mikulski. I mean, a lot of people who could move very very quickly. Uh, and and force the issue and, and get on that forty man this season. So um, I, I think that's something that uh, the Giants are, are well positioned to to try to you know hey let, let's let's see who can um, show us that they're ready to to be challenged a little bit. And uh, we know this is an open minded uh, front office and baseball operations group. So I'm I'm really interested to see when these minor league seasons get started. Who kind of you know where the cream rises to the top. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, it shouldn't be that there are fewer minor league teams and yet somehow more interesting arms, but that's how it's played out for the Giants because at every level where you're trying to project rosters, it's like, oh, right, Ryan Murphy exists. Oh, gosh, that's right. Nick Sweeney exists. Like, they're, at every level, it's just this. there's guys, there's a mixture of velocity, command. If this happens, if, if he gets a shape on this pitch, and, like, you're projecting all throughout the, the minor leagues. And so that is where the Giants uh, – uh, minor league system is ascendant is with these arms and they're developing, you know, different pitches and spin rates and all that stuff, which kind of leads me as a roundabout way to, to my most interesting player of the spring and early season, which is Tyler Beatty because he was drafted in what? 1976. I mean, it feels like he was <laughs> a first round pick so long. I mean, he was first round pick in 2014. So that is, that feels like 1976 as far as baseball time. Um, and he just has not looked that great this spring. He has, uh, allowed a couple home runs. He struck out just one of the 19 batters he's faced. How much of a leash does this front office give Tyler Beatty um, <clears throat> if his 
you know, if his arm strength looks good and the quality of his stuff isn't in question, do they still kind of stick with him and, and just assume it'll kind of round into form in the middle of the season? Or will they give him a little bit shorter of a leash than we're expecting? Well, first of all, I would point out that he was actually a first round pick in 2011 because he was mm. a first round pick of the Blue Jays That's out of right. high school, too. Sheesh. So, you know, we're talking he was a first round pick 11 years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and he's he's 20, he's 28 going on. He'll be 29 in, in May. And I think he knows, you know, that that this is his windows kind of closing a little bit here. And it's got to happen. It's got to happen pretty fast. And he also probably knows when he goes out there in the spring that he's not just throwing for the Giants. He's throwing for every other team uh, who might want to make make a space for him if, if he ends up on waivers. Um, and, and we know that, A, teams always protect their inventory on opening day. And, B, it's a lot tougher for a team to claim someone off waivers uh, a couple days into the season because, mm. you know, you look at all these other teams and, hey, I've got these two NRI guys in camp and they look pretty good. We're going to add them to the 40-man. So, boom, all these teams are going to be full up at 40 um, or making space to get full up at 40. And uh, it'll be a lot tougher to claim someone a week into the season. So it could be as simple as we're going to open with Tyler Beatty and then we're going to see if we can sneak him through. Uh, I mean, that happens a lot too. So um, I don't think they trust him to pitch me- meaningful innings right now. I don't mm. think he's at that stage. Everything that Gabe Cap has said is, uh, and I thought it was really telling, um, you know, maybe a week or two ago when he was asked about Sammy Long and Tyler Beatty and said, these guys are in two different classes. They, they shouldn't be compared to each other. Sammy Long is 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 big league ready. Tyler Beatty is not. So I think that kind of tells you right there that if he does make the team, it's going to be kind of procedural. Uh, I really do want to appreciate or I want to thank you for bringing up that 2011 draft because I clicked on it and now I'm looking through and that is such a fun draft to go through. It is Anthony Rendon, Francisco Lindor, Javier Baez, George Springer, uh, Sonny Gray. It is So right before Tyler Beatty was drafted by the Blue Jays, Tyler and Anderson was drafted by the Rockies. That's how long ago we're talking. Like Tyler Anderson, it feels like he's had seven different careers by this point. And Tyler Beatty is still like all those other guys have gotten paid or they've had like a career arc like Joe Panic. He's been up and down already. And we're still here wondering what in the heck to do with Tyler Beatty. So I just if he's not going to get multiple or um, meaningful innings, if he's not going to pitch high leverage, I'm not sure how long you can stick with a pitcher like that. But with that 28-man roster, I think that's going to affect everything the Giants do. I don't think they have to rush on anything, whether it's uh, Beatty or Mauricio Dubon or, you know, Tyra Estrada. I think it's it's pretty secure by now, but they don't have to make all these big whopper decisions that early because of that uh, expanded roster for the month. Yeah. And, you know, I I was talking to uh, um, one player in the Giants clubhouse and we were just kind of going over the roster and uh, and I said, well, you know, Estrada and Dubon are both out of options, but but maybe maybe they both make the team now. Where I was thinking, only one of them would, and I just got kind of a look, and <laughs> and there was like a, a a beat, and then and then uh, the next thing uh, this player said was, Tyro Estrada is making this team. So there's a lot of confidence in this guy. I, I drafted him as my backup second baseman on my fantasy team, which, hey. Yes, you got it in. Second podcast all about my fantasy team. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm i I'm bullish on Tyro Estrada just because a lot of people who know a lot more about baseball than I do are bullish on Tyro Estrada. But now Mauricio Dubon's had a nice spring. He's had a nice camp. Um, you know, I think they've, they've really liked his, uh, his work ethic and his attitude. And we know that some of the focus issues he's had in the past and 
you just there's so many people who are rooting for him because he's just got a great story. One of the best stories you could ever come up with, right? Uh, yep. Uh, coming from Honduras and basically was a, a, adopted by a second family so he could play baseball in the U.S. and became a Giants fan, became a Brandon Crawford fan, and oh look, you know who's his double play partner now? It's the guy he idolized. It's just you know. And I asked him. I said, you know, it's 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 one thing to kind of you know, let go of your, your, the fan in you and, and, and not have all these pinch me moments that distract you from where you are and what you have to do. But I mean, that would be easier if you were playing for the Baltimore Orioles or the, you know, (laughs) Toronto Blue Jays. The fact he's playing for the Giants, I mean, that's got to be really, really hard. It probably was really hard for someone like Brandon Crawford too. So, um, so yeah, but I I think that, you know, he's getting to the point where, um, they, they feel that they really like, uh, his approach this spring. They, they, they see a lot of improvement and the fact that they're really light on right-handed bats now with, with, Hmm. um, Evan Longoria out and the fact that you can, you know, they don't really have three right-handed hitters. They can play in the outfield at the same time. They may have to DH rough at some point, which might give them two left-handed hitting outfielders against a lefty. Um, the fact that Dubon can go out there and play a pretty good center field, I think is, is a very, very nice feather in his cap. And I think, um, you know, uh, is is something that will serve this team well if if in fact he does make the team. Yeah, I, one thing that really I, I've probably brought this up before, but when you are uh, expected to be a huge part of the team like Dubon was uh, at the start of 2021, he was an opening day starter. He's going to be in there. He's going to be this utility knife. They have big plans for him. He's he's on the team. He's going you know Excelsior. And then to have the season that he did and get sent down, it would have been really easy for him to hang his head and just be like, gosh, dang it. Like that just didn't work the way I thought it was going to be. Woe is me. And he went to Sacramento and crushed it. And not just crushed it like superficially, but he had almost a one-to-one strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, Every time the River Cats were were tweeting, it seemed like it was a play that he made in the field, uh, whether at shortstop or somewhere else on the diamond. Like he went down to triple A and he did not hang his head, not for a single minute. And I think that that is important. I, I really do think this front office for the reputation they've gotten as being bean counters, uh, they like to see guys with a little bit of fire, a little bit of a drive. And when you add in the story and, you know, just the affability, I, I really think that they have plans for Dubon. And I, of all the things that the 28-man roster has affected, the ability to kick that can on Dubon and Estrada and just not have to be like, we don't have to worry about it. That's going to help the Giants more than anything else. Any of the other rule changes, the ability to keep both of those guys on a roster that makes sense, I think is going to help them tremendously. Yeah. And, you know, I'm kind of reminded of something that Farhan Zaidi told me in the piece that I wrote last week about um, Darren Ruff and Mm -hmm. uh, how Darren Ruff was kind of emblematic of the Giants approach, how we don't want we want to stay flexible and not necessarily sign a big free agent to a six-year contract that's going to lock up a position on the diamond for six years not just to to keep the way free for prospects we develop but also to keep the way free for opportunities you know that they see um to get guys who are blocked to get guys who are out of options who are really you know have some very interesting underlying uh skills and um he was talking about darren ruff and the reason that the phillies made him available when Farhan traded for him the first time when he was the Dodgers general manager um, and he ended up going to Korea and didn't become a Dodger eventually, uh, Darren Ruff. But um, one of the things that Farhan said was you can kind of over index on your own players as they come up Mm -hmm. in your system and you can focus as much on what they can't do as on what they can. And 
almost everybody struggles when they first get to the big leagues. And when they're in your organization, you get a front row seat for that struggle. So, you know, there there is the skill of finding those players that teams have over-indexed on their their own players and, and, and make them available. And you're finding the Darren Ruffs and Mike Yastrzemskis, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also, you know, not giving up on your own players and not uh, over-indexing on their failures. And we saw that with Steven Duggar, uh, mm. a guy who looked like maybe he didn't have a role in the organization and they don't win 107 games without what he did last year. And it could be the case with Mauricio, that uh, he's a guy that you can say, well, he makes so many bonehead plays on the bases or, or you know, he doesn't, he still doesn't seem to get it sometimes. Um, you know, maybe he, the risk-reward kind of internal uh, meter within him sometimes seems like it's it's got a spring flying loose, but 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 he has a lot of, of physical gifts, and you know he he does have a lot of um, uh, not to minimize his mental attitude too. I mean he he is a smart player. He is capable, I think, of being a really dynamic player, and so that's why I think it's probably interesting that they haven't given up on him. And to that uh, idea of maybe it's easier to look at what a player can't do or to be down on a player because you you have a different perception of them. Uh, I think before we go, we should talk about Joey Bart and the spring he's having because in my head, I have been really bearish on Joey Bart. I have, I associate him with 2020, which is not fair to anyone for any reason, but it's like he was thrown into the mix and was clearly not ready. And so those are the memories that when I think of Joey Bart, I, I'm thinking of him like swinging and wildly and, and, you know, being a little bit rough behind the plate and stuff like that. But now he, he looks like a dude and you've written about him before, or you've written about this, this spring, uh, about how he's more confident, more uh, talkative, you know, it seems like he's got a little bit uh, less of a monkey on his back, uh, because the job is clearly his, but just his at bats, he's got that opposite field swing going. I'm sure he's been working on the hole inside. I'm ready for him to be like, okay. And that would be a, a huge victory for the giants, but he might be more than okay. Yeah. I, I think the number one thing is they need him to be a leader on the field and they need him to be a leader with this pitching staff and feel like, you know, he can control a game sort of like you felt when Buster was behind the plate, that things weren't going to go haywire. Buster was going to, you know, sort of keep a steady hand on the wheel. So that's a lot to ask. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a lot to ask, especially a rookie catcher. And, uh, you know, when's the last time the Giants even had a rookie catcher, you know, pre-Buster Posey? I can't think of someone that they really relied on who was a rookie. Steve Decker or something. Yeah, might be. So it is a difficult thing to do. It's probably more difficult than ever with all of the data, with all of the different scouting reports, as much information. You don't just get down there and, and put down a finger now. There's so much more to it. So there's going to be a lot on his plate. And by the way, he's also a guy who was drafted as an offensive catcher and he's going to be expected to hit and he's probably going to have some struggle at some point at the plate. So I think they're just trying to really keep things as simple for him as possible. And this is where, and I'm going to write about this as part of my season preview, this is where having a veteran rotation where you know the youngest guy is their opening day starter, Logan Webb, and he's already pretty accomplished. That's really going to help because you know they're not going to be trying to find their way out on the mound. They know what they want to do, and uh, and I think that's going to be a big load off for Joey Bart. And they're going to make sure that he gets plenty of time off. And Kirk Casale is in there on what I'd imagine will probably be about a 50-50 rotation to start the year, and they'll see you know where, where it goes from there. But um, I agree. I think that he seems much more confident. Um, he seems much more outgoing and engaging. It's probably the number one thing. You got to engage when you're a catcher. You got to communicate. And I didn't sense that he was ready to do that before. 
But a lot of it, I think, was him just really feeling like he had to take a backseat and not be noticed and not be talked about as long as that was Buster's job. And he was being very deferential. And uh, and now Buster's retired and, um, and you see a different guy. And I think that is a really, really good sign uh, because a withdrawn rookie catcher who's not communicating is probably not going to be a successful one. And uh, and so I think uh, they, they got to like the way that, that Joey Bart's uh, developing. Now, you make a good point about this veteran rotation. And one thing, it's not it's not a confusing rotation. You know what I mean? Like when, when you've got Alex Wood and Carlos Rodon, like you're not thinking, OK, I've got to think of 63 different galaxy brain ways to get hitters out. Like, you know, kind of how they are going to get hitters out. It's going to be up. It's going to be bendy stuff down. And that's the case with Alex Cobb as well. You know, you know, you're going to rely on his splitter. It's not like Johnny Cueto, because I remember he Joey Bart had like these famous uh, difficulties communicating with Johnny Cueto as far as what they wanted to do. And Cueto, I think, is he he's playing seven dimensional backgammon. and like he is trying to to make different pitches like on the spot almost. You know, he's he's b- busy doing exponential things and just getting a little wild. I don't think there's anyone like that on the staff, with the exception of maybe Logan Webb, because he can move the ball so many different ways. It seems like a pretty not simple staff to manage, but uh, less complicated than it could be. Yeah, I know. I, I think that's a really good point. Um, I mean, Johnny would want to know exactly, you know, he would not only know what he wanted to throw, but where he wanted to throw it, which quadrant of the strike zone. And <laughs> and um, yeah, I, the one thing I think about Bart uh, that that is going to be almost I, I see an improvement over Buster Posey. But the one thing Joey Bart can do that was a struggle for Buster was just the physical demands of, of the position. I mean, Buster mm. was never built like a catcher. The Giants knew he wasn't built like a catcher. It was going to be uh, probably not a, you know, Johnny Bench type uh, or Carlton Fisk type career uh, 20 years behind the plate or something. Um, but Joey Bart is a linebacker. This dude is physical. <laughs> he's going to keep the ball in front of him. He's going to he's going to frame. Uh, he's going to um, He's going to block balls in the dirt, which we know there's some split guys on this staff, so that's going to be important. Um, I think just that that's going to be an improvement over over uh, uh, over Buster, just the, the physicalness of, of, of Joey Bart behind the plate. All right. This has been episode 175 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. We are back on our normal schedule, so we will be back on Thursday. Uh, are we going to have news like roster cuts by Thursday or is that going to be something that happens like late Thursday night, uh, early Friday morning? Well, they don't have to set the rosters until uh, Friday, basically. Yeah. Um, so they probably won't set the rosters until Friday because they take every minute. Um, but I think we'll probably have a pretty good idea. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. We will see you then. Thank Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 